With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the El Park Rolls podcast supported by Blue Collar Street Food. Wow, this is probably going to be our most upbeat podcast ever because we have got a whole month of glorious Reading victories. It may never happen again, so let's just enjoy it. I've been joined by Berkshire Live's Jonathan Lowe. Hi, Jonathan. Hello, good evening. Hiya. And I've also been joined by Reading FC legend captain, EPR mug holder, A.D. Williams. Good evening, guys. Looking forward to it. Upbeat, we are. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's so strange, isn't it? I mean, to think, at the start of the season, age, can you imagine that we've had such a fantastic start? No, I, I don't think so, because of what happened in the build-up to the start of the season. Obviously, Nigel Howe stepped down as the chief exec. Uh, that's, you know, that was a bit of drama in itself. Uh, obviously, then Mark Bowen being dismissed or relieved of his duties, sacked, whatever you want to call it. And, and this new fella come in, we knew nothing about him, 43 years of age. And the answer to your question, I don't think anybody could have dreamt it. I, th- I think, just looking at the results very quickly, I don't know what Jonathan thinks, but I think Derby are a bang average side this year. Don't want to be disrespectful. I think Barnsley are Barnsley. But to go to Cardiff and beat Cardiff in the manner they did, and then obviously to beat Watford last weekend, who are a very good side, um, you know, those two were huge performances and, and massive results. Yeah, what do you think, Jonathan? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, have to, I have to agree. I mean, I think um, the, 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 the opening day win at Derby, Derby were, um, Derby, I, th- I think they're, they're probably a, a bit better than uh, maybe AD suggests, but I think Reading, that's probably their, that was their best performance of the season. Um, and they made Derby look very, very ordinary and obviously fully deserved their victory. And um, yeah, I mean, in Barnsley, they, they, they kind of had to grind out that win. Um, Cardiff again it was a bit of uh, it, it was kind of relentless at, at some points because kind of you know what you're getting with uh, Neil Harris's teams they're, they're just kind of so kind of energetic and um, you know really kind of uh, um, just relentless really in, in their play, uh, attacking and defensive play um, but then Watford uh, that, was, that was another good result as well that that was a sort of a, you saw kind of another side to Reading a bit um, kind of weathered the storm earlier on got that goal and then Never really looked like um, conceding after that. And uh, it was a really good, you know, all in all, a very, very good defensive performance, I think, um, by the end. Yeah, astonishing. When you look at the team that we put out against Watford, so weakened by injuries, wasn't it? You just got to think. That's a, for me, that's a real sign of a good manager. It's only one game. Only one game in that scenario. So I'm not going overboard. But it, it was a positive sign, wasn't it? Well, we all could be wrong because I think the majority of Reading fans, me included, have said, I think we've got a decent, I don't know, 11 or 12, maybe push 13. But when you take Ujari, you take Swift, you take Yeardon, Araruna out of the side and to get the performance that you've got with the lads that are coming in. I mean, Tom Holmes, he, he won't write too many headlines, I'm sure, this season, but you've got to pay him on the back. The pressure for a young lad going into a game against Watford that were relegated from the Premier League last season... He did put a foot wrong. And, and for me, you know, he set the goal up. It was a great ball in to push. Because some people are suggesting that he was having a shot. 
I don't think so for one minute. He had to put power on the pass, and he did it. And it was a it was a, a great ball. Actually, it was a poor touch. Had it been a better uh, better touch, the ball into him would have looked even better. So, you know, these players have come into the to the side into the squad and have definitely stepped up to the mantle. Another player that won't write too many headlines, Josh Lauren. You know, free transfer from Shrewsbury, our only signing, if you like, permanent signing, and he's gone under the radar. Rinomoto and Lauren are forming a, a, a tidy partnership. So you're absolutely right. Without the, the big guns and the ones that we're used to creating chances in a football match, likes of Ajari and the likes of Swift, you know, it's, it, it's a massive performance. And of course, added to that, you know, whether Lucas Zhao is or isn't fit, or was or wasn't fit, he was on the bench. And again, you know, a massive player missing for Reading. It kind of, I'm trying to think of any negatives about Reading Football Club at the moment. And normally, there's a whole bucket of them, maybe, isn't the last few years? Yeah. And Jonathan, we could go through them all and do hours on it. But I just can't think of anything. It's, we, we look like a proper organised team at the moment, Jonathan, don't we? Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I, I guess the only negative is, is the injuries. And, you know, the fact you've got kind of three or four, you know, very big players out. Um, and potentially, you know, certainly in Swift and Dom's case and, and Araruna for, for a few months, that, that's a real big shame because I'm sure, you know, they would have been loved to be playing, um, you know, week in, week out. They're in good form as well. And um, it's just really unfortunate that they're going to miss out. But, um, you know, he's got a really good uh, spirit going. There's a good sort of character in the squad and everyone's pulling together. The, the fringe players are stepping up. And, um, yeah, I mean, long, long may it continues. It's obviously going to... Um, they're going to draw or lose at some point, but um, I imagine probably in, in the next seven games, I think it's seven games in 22 days, I think it is. So um, that's going to be a real test. But I think after that block of games, um, hopefully, you know, they're, they're still going to be kind of up and around sort of top six area um, and then kind of can reassess from there and, and kind of see where real, realistically they can go for the rest of the season. I can half think of a negative, Paul. I can try and rack my brain for a negative, and uh, it depends who you are. Because if you're Lewis Gibson, there is no negative. If you're Tom McIntyre, there might be a slight negative because Gibson's obviously come in. We've seen McIntyre, you know, come in McIntyre at the weekend and sit in front of the back four, whether that's a new role or not. But you know, Tom's a defender. He's a centre half. He was outstanding back end of last season, and a lot of people suggesting. You know, maybe the Lewis Gibson loan move could, could block the chance for someone like McIntyre, the chance for Tom Holmes to play as a centre-half. We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, let's be honest, we're scraping the barrel there because everything at the moment, other than injuries, is pretty hunky-dory. You can see me, I'm just smiling. <laughs> it's just such an amazing situation to have this scenario. So, Jonathan and Nate, you both met the manager repeatedly, uh, Panovich, now in a kind of COVID way, not actually that close to each other. What are your kind of impressions of him, uh, Jonathan, since you've met him? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, he's, um, he comes across very well. He, you know, he answers uh, your questions in full. I mean, he, he was a bit, um, a bit cagey about, um, he carried a bit cagey about injury news and, and sort of transfer news and, didn't want to give away too many names, um, yeah. But you know, a lot of managers are like that, so that's to be expected. Um, but um, no, it's, hey, he, he's he's friendly enough. He he, um, you know, when you when you do see him on the touchline at games, he, he can get quite feisty. You know, you know, we we say everything's going well, but uh, he's not afraid to kind of turn around and, and point the finger at um, you know some of his coaching staff even or, or any of the players if uh, things aren't going um, as he'd quite liked. 
Um, but you know, he 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 does praise players as well, and um, you know, he does like to kind of give them a you know short clap and everything after they've done a, a nice move or whatever. So um, you know, clearly he's, he's he's made a very good impression. He he clearly had to make um, you know a good impression early on, given the circumstances of of him coming in. Um, and obviously, you know, this has you know, given him a, a great platform to work on, and, and all the players are buying into it. Um, they obviously get on very well with him. You know, we spoke to Liam Moore last week, and, and you know, he, he said some very nice words about him. And clearly, there's a real good bond there, and, and that's you know really good as well to, to have your club captain and, and manager seeing off the same hymn sheet. Because um, I don't think that was the case with, with Liam Moore and Mark Bowen towards the end of last season. So um, yeah, they got a really good cohesive unit. It's very united. Um, they're all together and, um, you know, long may it continue. Big fan of him is saying things like the warrior spirit as well, AD. That's what we want to see as fans. We want to see that spirit. Yeah, I mean, the very minimum for a professional footballer when they put the jersey on, whether it's in the Premier League or whether it's in, you know, League Two, is, is effort and commitment. And uh, we, we want to see that. Reading fans, we can forgive a bad performance. We can forgive a bad result if players are are showing that effort, that passion, that commitment. Now, we've got a manager on the sideline that's doing that. Now, that doesn't mean too much, in all fairness. You know, I've seen that before. I've played with managers like that before, and I've played with managers such as Steve Koppel that sat for 45 minutes in the stands, you know, in the West Stand. So, it doesn't really mean too much if he's being animated and that, but he's clearly got passion. Myself and Jonathan met him the first time he came to the Madeski Stadium, and you can tell he's confident in his ability. I'll give him that for a for a fellow that's never managed in this country before and, you know, still relatively young at 43, very young for a manager. But let's be honest, when people say, do you like the manager? Does it matter? Does it matter if I like the manager? Does it matter if Jonathan likes him? It's nice to like the manager. It's nice to get on with a manager. It's nice to have a relationship with a manager. But ultimately, his job is to win football matches. And of course, he's going to be friendly when he meets the press on his opening day, the first press conference, you'd be a fool not to. You know, he's not going to come in and do this and do that and change everything. But ultimately, we want to win football matches. And we've won four out of four at the moment. We're sitting pretty at the top of the league, going into an international break. Gives a chance for the injured boys to get off the treatment table. You know, some big ticks in big boxes at the moment. And we've also strengthened the squad this week with a sign of Estevez as well from Porto, Jonathan. Um, do you think we'll be seeing any more movement possibly before the end of the next window? Because it's a strange situation with two windows, isn't it, this time? Yeah, it's a funny one, actually, because um, I was thinking, yeah, they've got a couple of weeks or so, but actually it's, it's only just over a week, really, and, until they can get anyone in. Um, I, I think, yeah, I, I think there, there might be kind of one or two, I think, going in both directions. Um, I don't know if you saw, I, I wrote a piece today actually about the kind of four players who could be moving on and, and you know, the likes of Sam Walker and Sam Smith, you know, they're not going to get a look in this season and, you know, for, for the sake of them and their careers and for the sake of Reading, it, it's good if they can um, get, uh, you know, get a club in the, in the lower leagues, you know, League One, League Two, maybe even lower, but, um, you know, clearly that they're not going to play a part. So, Got my hand yeah. up, Jonathan. Got my hand up. Would you have put Shani Aluko on the list if he hadn't played at the weekend? Um, no, I wouldn't have put him on the list. Why? No. <laughs> I I do like him as a player. I I um, uh, you know, on his day, uh, which he, he hasn't really um, displayed too much over the last what was it three three and a half years or so. Um, I do think he's a very good player. I think he's a good um, asset to have, um, especially coming off the bench. Um, 
quite, I'm still puzzled as to why he has, um, why he played so well on Saturday and why he does seem to be back in the fold. I, I don't understand why he's turned it on now and he hasn't turned it on, he hasn't turned it on under the previous four or five managers he's worked under. Um, I don't know whether it's because he's out of contract next summer, that might be something to do with it, but um uh, I don't know if, you, if you've, you've got an opinion on that, but um, I don't know why he's he's just managed to kind of click. Um, but no, I I, I think um, he's he, although he is a he's a fringe player. I think he is someone who you'd have on the bench, um, at least on the bench, kind of every week. Yeah, I was going to come to Luca as well. Already, he's how has this happened? I, I don't understand because he just suddenly become this player. He hasn't lit up the absolute Medeski Stadium. Um, I'm not going to exaggerate to that level. But all of a sudden, he looks like a real contender who could start games. I hope so. I hope so. I can't get carried away after one game. I mean, I've got to put my hand up. I wasn't at the Manstad at the weekend, so it was refreshing that I was listening to the radio. I was looking, obviously, the social media and the comments that everyone was saying that Aluko's playing out of his skin. Good. You know, long may it continue. I could play next week and play well for Reading. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that I can do that for 40 games in a season. So... You know, we're looking for a little bit of consistency. The answer to, to the question, well, and Jonathan's question, really, about Luco coming to the end of his contract, of course, you know, you've got to start turning heads. And if it's not Velko Paunovic's, you've got to get in the shop window and, uh, you know, start playing for, for your career, your future, whether you're married, children, whatever it may be. And um, to get in the shop window, you've got to get in the team. And you've definitely got to be involved in the squad. So, I don't know, managers come in, they give players a clean slate. It's an old cliche, but that's what happens. You might have an extra spring in your step in training. And if you are given that chance, let's be honest, he probably wouldn't have been given the chance if it wasn't for the injuries. But that's football. One door opens, one door closes and vice versa. And you've got to take your opportunity. He took that at the weekend. Good on him because I agree with Jonathan. I think he's got ability. Uh, he's done it about three times. I can think off at the top of my head including a wonder goal. But, you know, when you're picking up the wages that he's been picking up for, for years now, you, you've got to do it more. You've got to be more consistent. And, you know, on his defence, he wants a, a decent run in the side. And maybe Palmovic is the man to give him that decent run. Could be. Maybe he's reinvigorating him, like possibly Liam Moore, I'd argue. I remember going on Radio Barcher with you, and saying that maybe it was time for him to move on. Because it didn't seem to be working out. There seemed to be issues going on there. Um, how all of a sudden, as a centre-back, do you have a partner that suddenly just comes alive? With him and Morrison, it just seems to be clicking, doesn't it? That's the best thing that Palnovich has done, I think, this season. Keeping Liam Moore as a captain. Because had he took the captaincy off him, you know, I was lucky enough to be captain for a long time at Reading Football Club. If someone takes that captaincy off you, it hurts. You know, it affects your confidence. And uh, it'll affect your mindset, whether it's going in training, whether it's football matches or what. All of a sudden, you don't think you're number one centre-half. Now, Liam Moore's been playing like a number one centre-half. He's been playing like a leader. And we know he can do that. So we can talk about Palinovic bringing in Quinton Fortune and backroom staff and these players from Portugal on loan and this, that and the other. But don't forget how big keeping Liam Moore as captain, I think, has played in the hands of Liam Moore and the actual football club. Yeah, working. I mean, kind of, if you look at the month as a whole, it's really hard to pick out the best player of the month there, isn't it, Jonathan? It's not been a long time since we've actually had real contenders. Normally it's a one player, he scored one goal. But at the moment, 
you could pick almost the whole team, couldn't you? I mean, maybe apart from Raphael, because he's hardly had a save to make. There's nothing wrong, but it's a kind yeah. of strange. Um, are, you, are you asking me to pinpoint one player? Yeah, who do you think would be your player of the month question. so far? Um, I think, for me, it's probably Lucas Shaw. Um, albeit, uh, you know, he obviously missed, missed the pot for game, but um, I think he, he, he's kind of, he's added kind of the finishing touch, all the nice kind of build-up play. And I know it's kind of, you know, simple to pick out the goal scorer, but, um, you know, the way he brings other players uh, into play, you know, he helps get the best out of the likes of Swift and uh, Elise and, um, you know, Jaria. And, um, you know, he really gives that, reading that kind of focal point, um, you know, up front, he gives them kind of that presence, um, and he, he's he's you know, he's extremely good uh, with his feet as well. I mean, it's uh, like that old cliche: uh, um, good feet for a big man, or something like that. Um, but uh, you know, he, he's a, a great all-round player, and um, you know, he's he's, tw- he's twenty-seven, so um, you know, he's, he's probably in the best years of his career. And, and if he can just get that consistency, if he can just stay fit, have a really good season, uh, then there's no reason why you know Reading you can't do really well this season. It's it's not saying it all hinges on him, uh, but certainly he is a a key part of it. And, um, you know, if he can keep up his form and fitness, then uh, Reading are in with a great chance of of doing well this season. Can I just say something to that, Paul? And it's it's the same player for me, Lucas Yell, but for the same reasons and, and one or two different reasons. When you sit in a dressing room and you go into battle, we all like that one, don't we? We're going into battle on a Saturday afternoon. You look in the dressing room and you think, do you know what, we've got a chance today. If you've got certain players in that team. Now, Lucas Jao is one of those players at the moment. When Lucas Jao's in the team, I can assure you the other players are thinking, do you know what, we've got a chance. Whatever happens today, we've got a chance because Jao is a handful. He has, he has got a good touch. He is strong. He is powerful. He's got decent pace. He's good in the air. His all-round game is very good. So, you know, when I used to sit in the dressing room and I know that Nicky Forster was playing, I was pleased, particularly away from home because I knew just in an instant, Fozzie can hurt the back four, wherever it was. Very often at Bramall Lane, in all fairness to Fozzie, done all right at Sheffield United. But, you know, City or Harps was missing. Then there was going to be a problem because they're brilliant players. And if you take them out, then, you know, there is a, a, big, a big void there. Whoever comes in, I'm sure they do a great job. But, you know, back in the day, if Parkey wasn't in the central midfield or Mickey Gooden wasn't in there, Who's going to lead you then? Who's going to drag you through the game? And I think Lucas Zhao at the moment. I think Liam Moore at the moment. And possibly, if we're going to go for a young lad at the moment, Andy Winamota. You know, he's one of those players. He's young. He's energetic. He'll run through a brick wall. You know, he's got hunger on his side. You know, I'm not suggesting for one minute he wants to see out his career at Reading. And I hope he doesn't. I hope he wants to get to the very top. But my point is, when you sit down in the dressing room and one or two of these players are in your team, you've got a chance. One or two, you think sometimes it could be a tough afternoon. That's what pleased me in some ways, exactly what you were saying there about Saturday, is because Puskas comes in and I have a little bit of a concern playing in that up front on his own. It's not really his role. He needs someone up there with him. But we still managed to see the game out um, and Watford didn't really create much. But just going forward, looking at the next three matches, we've got Middlesbrough, we've got Wickham and then we've got Rotherham. Now, I know we've had four wins at the start of the season, but if we get past that Middlesbrough match, Jonathan, we've got a chance of getting on a pretty amazing start to the season, haven't we? It's a big if, I agree. Yes, I, I think, um, yeah, that, that, that clearly that Middlesbrough game, I think is going to be the, the, the hardest out of three. But, um, 
you know, they can go into it with a lot of confidence. Um, hopefully, you know, Obi Ajari will be back. And, um, you know, we, we didn't give them too many chances going away to Cardiff, but so they pulled off a result. So, um, you know, they've got that belief behind them. Um, and if they can keep it, you know, keep keeping it uh, tight at the back, giving themselves a, a good platform to work on, um, there's, there's no reason why they can't um, go and get a result. That they've, you know, that, that seems... I don't know, it seems very recently they played Middlesbrough obviously at the Modesky Stadium at the end of last season at home and that was pretty a, a dreary match um, but obviously it's a, it's a much changed team now and, and hopefully they can um, get, get one over Neil Warnock we all like that don't we? <laughs> yeah, totally he is such a figure isn't he? Yeah I mean what do you think Aidy? Can we possibly get the season off to a start with seven straight wins? I mean I started going in 85-86 and that was a dream season to start again. But can we get seven wins? It seems unbelievable. Well, it isn't unbelievable because I'll tell you what, if we were to get beat by Middlesbrough, Wickham or Rotherham, any one of those three games, you'd be disappointed. So, you know, I had this conversation on the radio at the weekend. We've won four, so why can't we win five? Well, because we've won four. It doesn't matter. When I toss a coin and it's tails, and then I toss the coin again, it's still got the same possibility or probability of being tails. So... You know, I, I have that mindset. I think, okay, we've got four out of four. It doesn't mean now that we're going to lose the fifth one because we've won four. That's put to bed. If we get beat by Borough, Rotherham or Wickham, I'll be disappointed. And that's, and then no one can come up to me and say, well, you're forgetting that we've won four on the bounce. I'm not forgetting we've won four on the, on the bounce. If I was the manager now, I would be thinking minimum of seven points from the next three games. Minimum. And I would half be disappointed with that. Yeah, no, I agree. I went to Millsborough last season and that was a hell of a journey back after losing 1-0. I didn't enjoy that at all. We don't have to enjoy that this time now. I'm just reminding myself of that. You can still go, but you don't have to go into the game. <laughs> no, AD. No, that's, that's, that's too much. <laughs> Definitely won't be doing that. But it's so, kind of so nice to have the kind of... It's just so typical Reading FC that we have an amazing start to the season and we cannot go. I don't know why that is happens to us, Jonathan. In 85, 86, no TV coverage. So we can't see any of it. We can't actually go this season. What's it going to be next time? I don't know what it is. I just, I wish we could kind of like get to the games, but it seems irrational, doesn't it, at the moment in some ways with all the things that are going on. Maybe that's the, that's the secret. That's why I've turned the home for around because there's no fans. Yeah, that's what we need. No one there. Maybe. Yeah, yeah I don't know. So. It, it, obviously it would be great. It'd be great to have fans back. I, I personally can't, can't really, really see it happening in the next few months. I, I mean, unless it is going to be a, a very kind of gradual process and maybe kind of get a few hundred uh, in here and there. Um, I, for me, I, I think you know as much as I, you know, I really want fans back and everything. Um, I don't know whether the issue more is perhaps kind of fans getting to the ground and maybe congregating outside. I know it's outside, but maybe they're worried about kind of people staying too close together. And obviously the, the, the Medeski Stadium is absolutely fine for, for watching a game. You know, once you're in, it's absolutely fine because there's tons of space. Um, but possibly the issue might be, you know, lots of fans getting on public transport or, you know, lots of fans kind of mingling uh, around the stadium area. So, so that, that might be the issue. But hopefully they can sort something out sooner rather than later because... Um, you know, as you say, it's, it's a real shame that fans aren't being aren't able to see um, this great Reading side in person. Um, and uh, yeah, we just kind of keep our fingers crossed that the situation kind of you know at least stays as it is, but hopefully gets better. And um, yeah, they can work out a way of, of a safe way of getting people in and out. I know lots of people that are going to the cinema 
public transport or driving or going to the pub, yeah. public transport yeah. driving, going to the gym, yeah. public transport driving, going shopping, public transport driving. Can't yeah. go to football though. Right. I saw something today that was saying we show games in the ground on a television screen. So you can go into the ground, but you can't actually watch normal human beings playing right in front of you. It just seems so illogical to me. I can't surely they understand can, it. Surely they can get um, get a few fans into, into, the, into the hospitality boxes and just say they watch it on that, TV. Yeah. Just, just yeah, watch just it. Well, that, that happened last week, I think, in non-league football, wasn't it? It was a non-league game and they were yeah. streaming the game in the clubhouse on the big screen. Now, the clubhouse, obviously, they were, you know, social distancing distancing and government guidelines and following everything i'm not suggesting they weren't but you can imagine there was a few people in there watching the telly but they couldn't turn around and watch it out the window they had to black out or pull the curtains or blinds whatever it was so you couldn't see the football brilliant <laughs> make it up you couldn't make it up so thank you aiden jonathan for joining me on the podcast this week we're now be moving on to the person from the second tier who's been saying a few things about reading football club so we are now joined by Ryan Dilch from the Second Tier Podcast, who created quite a reaction online with his thoughts about Reading FC and their start to the season. As Reading fans, we're incredibly biased, Ryan. Um, you had some things to say that not necessarily went down very well. No, um, not the first time I've said something negative about a football club and suddenly the fans don't like it. Shock that, isn't it, really? <laughs> um, so what, what I essentially said was um, I thought Reading were a bit fortunate so far this season. Um, and the current run of form, which, albeit is impressive, I just don't think it's going to last. Um, and plenty of fans disagreed, which is fine. Um, and then there were other fans who... Um, Strongly disagreed. <laughs> but at the same time, at the same time, it's worth pointing out there were some who agreed with me to an extent, and that's fair enough as well. So, I, personally, I think that shows there's an element of truth to my argument. But there you go. <laughs> Anything. Well, I've got to say, fifty percent of it, I do kind of slightly agree with you. I'm not convinced it's going to last at all. I, I definitely can't see that with our squad and all the other. Our last few seasons, the only thing that makes you think that might happen is the craziness of the championship. But that's yeah. not really based on much, is it? But I will say I disagree quite strongly on us being fortunate for these first four matches. Mm -hmm. um, you talked about, and you agreed that Derby, we were definitely should have won that game and we did win it. But the Barnsley one, maybe I agree on that one, was a little bit fortunate. But the other two afterwards, I can't agree on really. I mean, I've seen all the games. Have you seen all the games and watched them right? Uh, I watched the Derby game, uh, but everyone always asks me this, do you watch the whole 90 minutes? And the obvious answer is no, of course not. I do a podcast about the championship, which involves um, us talking about every single game. No, I don't sit there every weekend and watch 90 minutes of every single game. Um, but what I do is research as much as I can, see what the fans are saying. Uh, see what the stats are saying, most importantly, and, of course, see the highlights. So I do as much as I can within a realistic time space. You've got to be a little bit impressed by a team that's only laying one goal in four matches and also scored seven. We're the only team that hasn't conceded a goal from normal play as well. And 51%, 49% of our shots that have been on target against us I've been from outside the box as well. I mean, just those stats from a defensive point of view, 
And most people would say that that's where you start the foundations of a team. That's quite impressive to start. No, that is impressive. And the main uh, crux of my argument was the offensive side of things. Defensively, I've got no um, qualms about that whatsoever. Reading have been very impressive so far this season, uh, defensively. Uh, Omar Wretches, in particular, looks... He has been probably one of the players of the season so far. He has been superb. And then uh, Moore and Morrison, two very solid, experienced centre-backs at this level. So, yeah, I've got no... Um, qualms whatsoever with how Reading have been defensively. I think they've been very good defensively. As I say, it's the going forward side of things where I um, don't think Reading have been oppressive at all. Yeah, as a Reading fan, I'd point out that Swifts missed two of those games. Jari also missed the last one. Jao missed the last one. And even if you add in Andy Idum as a wingback, that really helps on our attacking sense. I just feel that saying that we've been very fortunate a little bit harsh and we're very delicate and kind of we've had nothing for years we've had nothing for years right just give us a little bit of joy come on <laughs> yeah I, I will give you joy in the fact that uh, Richards has been fantastic as I say Elise has been very impressive as well in his first few games and Josh Lawrence as well is three young players who have um, maybe stand up and go wow they're looking very good for Reading this season but it's the going forward side of things as I say the number of shots Reading have had compared to um, the actual results just don't stack up. They've had um, the fewest shots, the average lowest shots this season. Um, and in the games that have happened so far, apart from the Derby game, it's very much been a case of Reading have had a couple of decent chances and they've gone in. Um, and over the course of the season, if that continues to happen, it traditionally doesn't usually work out so well. Like Charlton, for example, last season were a good example where uh, they averaged, I think it was oh, off the top of my head, about eight shots in the first few games and were, I think, joint top of Leeds at one point. And then they dropped off. I'm not saying Reading are going to get, Reading are going to get relegated this it's season. It's a comparison Reading fans have made as well, though. So you, yeah. you're not completely alone on that. The Charlton thing has come up. I do think that's saying, kind of saying, having a couple of shots. I mean, that's a little bit dismissive of what we've done in some of those games. I would definitely agree with that against the game on Watford. But the Watford game, we were decimated with injuries. The other ones, I'd say we've been a little bit better than that, particularly the Derby match, which you've mentioned and agree on. But the Cardiff one as well, I just think that it's kind of with Reading, we never quite get enough credit that we always deserve. We're kind of dismissed because we're not one of the big clubs. We've been in the Championship for many, many years now, or the Premier League, but we're not quite up there right now. We've got this kind of slight insecurity about ourselves. Yeah. I saw one fan who said um, something on the lines of, oh, if this was Leeds or Forest, then they'd be getting a lot more credit. But if regular listeners to the podcast would know that Bristol City, for example, a similar kind of size club to Reading, we've given plenty of praise for because in their games, they have pretty much dominated all four of their first uh, four games and won all four. So with them, I think there's a bit of credence to the idea that, oh, they actually might end up having a good season, uh, finishing the top six, maybe even challenge for automatic promotion this season. But with Reading, when they have produced the figures that they have so far, as I say, it depends how they come out 
of the opposite side of the international break. If they continue to just create as few chances as they have done, admittedly, uh, they have been missing Swift and Nigeria, um, then they're going to drop that on the table because I can't think of a side who has ever consistently created so few chances and continue to win games. Um, but if they take these first four games and then use them as a platform to then go on to create a load more chances and maintain that defensive stability, then fair enough. I'll sit here and say, Padovic has proved me wrong. But I just can't see it happening based on how the games have gone so far. Yeah, I, I agree that I can't see us maintaining this. I can't see us being a second at the end of the season. I mean, I'd love to be totally wrong, but I, I don't think we're going to get that. I just cannot see that. But if you just look at football in the stats sense, if you looked at Wickham last season getting promotion, that was totally irrational. And I do think that football is irrational in that way, actually watching the games and seeing it. Because obviously you have to cover them all. You can't watch them all, as you said. It's just, we get passionate as fans and seeing it. And if you see it just in the stats sense, I can see it, what you're saying. But I just feel there's a bit more to it. Can you kind of see that from my point of view as well? I can see that from your point of view. And again, when I was reading the comments, there were plenty of Reading fans who were saying, uh, well, you haven't watched the games and you're basing your arguments off stats. Not entirely true, but it is true to an extent. On the other hand, I would say Reading fans have got tinted glasses. So even though they <laughs> might think, oh, we've been playing really well recently, you have got to take that with a pinch of salt. Um, and as I say, from the stats that I've seen, it looks like the games, apart from the Derby game, have been relatively even, including the Barnsley game where they were down to nine men. Although that could be argued, Barnsley probably had nine men behind the ball for whenever they had the men sent off. Um, so that's it, really. I, I'm uh, not completely ruling out Reading um, having a decent season, a top half finish. I think it would be a good season, especially after the summer that they've just had but I can't see a promotion push at all or maybe at a stretch a push for the top six thank you for coming on Ryan really appreciate it and you should definitely listen to the second tier podcast it's a quality podcast yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't criticize running every week I can publish that <laughs> <laughs> no I can deal with it really appreciate your time so if you've enjoyed the podcast uh, give us a listen, give us a click on the Facebook, Twitter, IG, whatever you want to do. And we'll be back uh, next week and previewing the game against Middlesbrough. So cheers. Thanks a lot, Ryan.